0: How y'all doing tonight? Y'all must be like tired from finals and everything. Let me try again. How y'all doing tonight? Yes. Did y'all enjoy Austin last week? Wasn't it good? How many of you were here for Austin last week? How many of you were not here for Austin last week? Okay, that's good. The problem is that more of you were here for Austin than not, and it doesn't sound like you were, so let me try it again. Did y'all enjoy Austin last week? Yeah, he was, he was good. That's a, that's, a, that's a beautiful man. That's who that is. That's all i got to say. Uh, but Austin kicked us off with week one of this series on courage, the idea of finding bravery in your story. And I think this is paramount not just for the season of life that you are in, this college-age season that some of you are trying to step out of, but also it's paramount for your faith, having courage, being someone that knows what it looks like to build bravery into your faith. So I want to start us off tonight, this second week, with this phrase, maybe you heard it before. It's one giant—not—not not that one. Don't put that up yet. Don't over. Let. Mm, I mean, I'm gonna try again. I'm we'll gonna start tonight with this phrase, not the one on there. I'll get to that in a second. But I want to know if you've heard of this before. One small step for man, one giant leap for awesome. Okay, good. You went through history. That's good. Who said that? Okay, apparently you didn't go through history. Let's try that again. Who knows who said one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind? Just yell it. Okay, Neil Armstrong. Not Buzz Lightyear. Calm down, okay? That would be Neil Armstrong. Neil Armstrong. Neil Armstrong was the very first man to ever step foot on the moon. And see, I think that what Neil Armstrong did when he said that, when he actually did that, if you've ever seen that little fuzzy black and white clip, I think he had something that we're going to be talking about tonight. I think he had a lot of it. It's called courage. I would imagine that Neil Armstrong had incredible courage to do that, to take that one small step. And see, C.S. Lewis actually says, now you can put it on the screen, that this is what courage is. It says, courage is not simply one of the virtues, but the form of every virtue at the testing point. Courage is not simply one of the virtues. Being courageous is not one thing that you get. It's the form of every single other virtue at the testing point, when it really matters, when everything is on the line, when it's risky. C.S. Lewis continued to say, you know, everyone can be virtuous until it costs them. Even Pontius Pilate was virtuous Until it was risky. See, the the fact is, whenever risk comes into your life, are you going to be someone who chooses to build courage? Because, see, Neil Armstrong did, when he took that chance, when he took that step, what it did is that it changed everything for the story. I don't know if you knew this, we walked on the freaking moon. Like, what? I want you to go outside tonight. I want you to look up at the moon. It's not going to be big. It's not a full moon. Calm down, okay? But I want you to go out there. I want you to look at the moon. And I want you to think about the fact that someone put their footsteps on that thing. It changed the course of human history. It really was one small step for a man, but it was one giant leap for mankind. It changed the chapter of everything in humanity with one small step. Potentially one of the greatest steps in the history of humanity the greatest chapter that we've now entered into, could begin. One small step. And see, the same thing that happened when Neil Armstrong needed to take one small step is the exact same thing that needs to happen in your life. That if you want to be someone that lives with courage, you want to be someone that has bravery in your story and in your faith, all it takes is one small step. It takes one small step to step into that unknown because it is just like God to lead you into something that's unknown. It is fully within his character to say, this is the future, you don't know what it is, but trust me, let's go into it. It's going to be better than where you are now. See, it takes courage to take one small step, but the key is, well, you actually do it when everything's on the line. So as we enter into this summer season, um, how many of y'all ready for summer? Right? So that means you like sweating. Y'all are freaking crazy. Not this guy. No. Uh, Or as we maybe... Some of you celebrate graduating. Yeah, like let's let's try this since that was like blind. If you just graduated, will you stand up? If you've graduated this like if this semester is when you're graduating, we got stand up. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Y'all should like listen. I'm I'm still clapping for y'all. Congratulations. You just made it to the start line. Well done now it's time for real life. So whether it's the summer beginning, whether it's beginning the next season of life and you graduate college, whether it's continuing on in the college age season of life, whether maybe you just finished your freshman year and you're like, I got three, seven more of these. Oh, good grief. I get it. I get it. It's never necessarily easy, but I want some questions. I want you to think about some questions. What is it that's holding you back? What is it that's holding you back? Maybe there's something in your life that's keeping you from taking one small step in your story or in your faith or into your future. What is the daunting thing out on the horizon that you're afraid of? See, last week Austin kicked off the series by talking about the story of Peter having to get out of the boat. That Jesus walked to him on the water... (laughs) Crazy Jesus walked on the water to Peter and said, Peter, come on, walk out here to me. And in that invitation, Peter had to take one small step onto water. It's bananas, and yet he did it. Now, I would imagine that Peter had a little bit of fear he had to overcome, had to get some courage to take one small step. The fear, the daunting thing in front of him was water. I don't know what yours is, but every single one of us have something that will keep us from taking that one small step. See, I would actually say that, that as you continue on, you got to realize that, well, if it's your career that you're afraid of, if it's your family, if it's your relationships, if it's anything within your future, um, the problem is that you can't slow down time. You can't slow down the fact that the future is approaching you at 60 seconds every minute, 60 minutes every hour, 24 hours every day. It never slows down. But the big thing that you can realize is you can slow down the anxiety of not knowing what's on the other side by elevating your faith, taking a little bit of courage, and having one small step, that first step. Because the first step's the most important. It's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind, because it sent mankind into the greater chapter of the story of humanity. So what one small step can you take to send you into your greater chapter, into your next season? What's holding you back? What daunting thing is on the horizon? Now, when I say take a small step, let me also just clarify. I'm not saying step anywhere, right? Like, there's a lot of freedom. But oftentimes, courage doesn't take just taking a step. It's not just anywhere. Like, all right, fine, I'll go do my thing and come over here. And I'm, I'm courageous. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to, but I took a step. Like, we're not talking about that. There's a lot of freedom, but I would say that courage isn't just taking a step. It's taking a step of obedience, Maybe I could reword it like this. If you want to define courage from from your faith perspective, it's this. Courage is a brave first step of obedience into the unknown desires that God has for you. Courage is a brave step of first step of obedience into the unknown desires that God has for you. How many of you know what's going to happen in the future? Put your hand down. You're not no, you don't, okay? Now you can pre- to what's going to happen. It's called wisdom, looking to the past to know what's going to happen in the future before it happens. But you don't know what's going to happen in the future. There are unknown things in front of you, and a lot of times that can cause you to freeze. It can bring fear, and it can paralyze the greater thing that might happen. So for some of you, that small step of obedience, maybe you've accepted Christ. Maybe you've given your life to Jesus, but you've never followed through in baptism. The very first thing that Jesus says to do in the Bible is it's repent and be baptized. There's no comma, there's no pause, there's no other sentence. It's the same one. Repent and be baptized. So maybe what you need to do is have a small step of obedience into baptism. Or maybe for some of you it's going to be jumping into a small group, actually getting good influence around you. Like quit hanging out with those people, okay? But there's good community here at C12. So our small groups don't start till the fall, but during the summer we're going to have so many opportunities for you to do stuff around people that care for you, that are for you, that are with you, that are going after the same thing as you. Maybe it's joining a small group. Maybe for some of you, college graduates, you get, you get put on your big boy pants in the morning and get a job. Yeah. How many of you have a job in the room? Can we just I think a lot of y'all work. I think if you're if you're here, there's probably, yeah, there's an overwhelming majority of you that have a job. So maybe that small step of obedience for you is saying, All right God, I'm gonna trust that you're gonna take care of me and that you are the source of my provision, not me. So I'm going to go work, I'm going to grind, I'm going to do what I got to do, I'm going to keep it moving. But at the end of the day, I'm going to trust you. And so maybe your small step of obedience is learning how to tithe, learning how to say, God, you've given me everything, so I'm going to gladly give back to you, return to you what you've given to me. And maybe for some of you, you're like, I don't get any of those three things. Maybe your small step is accepting Christ, is saying, Jesus, I'm going to give my life to you. I'm going to trust you because you're all that I got. You're the only way. So teach me, show me who I can be reveal my identity to me. Now that's on the faith side, but maybe your small step of obedience is going to be getting out of that unhealthy relationship. It's going to be stopping the sin that you've been continuously committing for years and years and years. Maybe for some of you, it's going to be having a hard conversation. Maybe for some of you, it's going to be instilling a little bit of discipline into your life and not being lazy like I was because I never had a class before noon my senior year because I like to sleep. That's just, Me, sleep, eat, volleyball, girls, video games. That was college, right? Maybe for some of you, it's going to be applying for a job. And maybe that job will require you to move. (gasps) Heaven forbid. You get out of your comfort zone. Now, listen. A lot of times that comfort zone creates a bubble in your world, and that bubble is what may keep you from the greater thing that God wants to do in your life. Maybe the unknown desires that God has for you is to take a step out of your comfort zone. But will you have the courage enough to do it? So thankfully, as we do this, as we practice this, God isn't saying, all right, go do it, have fun. Like, sink or swim, fly or freaking die. Here, let's get popcorn. Let's watch. Are they going to, you think they're going to make it? I don't know. I got 10 to 1. He is going to die. I got, that's what I got. Yeah. I got, I got, you want 30 to 1 over here that she's going to fail? Um, okay, deal. Yeah, we'll watch that. We'll watch. That's not in his character. God's not a distant God. He's not a spectator in your life. He's authoring your life. He's sovereign in your life. And he is involved in everything you're doing, trusting you. But holding your hand, so whenever you fall, he's going to say, all right, come on, get back up, let's go. It's very much in his character to breathe life into you to have courage. So maybe you came in here and you're like, I don't have any courage. Or maybe you came in here and you're like, I got a ton of courage. No, you just got pride. So let's just flip the script on that a little bit and learn what courage actually is. Because there are so many references in the scripture of God saying and speaking to people, be strong and take courage for I am with you. It's a promise, it's a declaration, it's life that he's going to breathe into you. And so I want us to look at an example of that exact thing happening in Deuteronomy. It's a long word, I didn't just cuss. Deuteronomy chapter 31, and it's Moses speaking to the Israelites. They're just, they're on the edge of the wilderness. They just went through for 40 years, and now Moses is going to speak to the Israelites to have courage. He's going to breathe life into them. He's going to encourage them, like it's not... It's not a mistake. It's encouraged to give courage to is what he's going to do. But rather than read the normal uh, from my extra special version or from the one under your chair, I want us to look at the message version of this tonight. The message is a a translation of the Bible that this guy Eugene Peterson did to put it into our vernacular, into our language so we can uh, understand it a little bit better as a story. So we're going to put it up on the screen for you to follow along with Deuteronomy chapter 31. Starting in verse 1, I'll read, you follow. It says, Moses went on and addressed these words to all of Israel. He said, I'm 120 years old today. I can't get about as I used to. You think? You're 120. He said, and God told me you're not going to cross this Jordan River. Now, let's pause there. See, this is significant you're not going to cross the Jordan River because what he's saying is, What God has told him is, listen, Moses, you are the one where there was no way. I entered you into the story to make a way and get all of Israel out of slavery that they've been in for 400 years. And now you've led my people through the wilderness. And I led you as you led them through the wilderness for 40 more years. All to get to this promised land that I made a promise to one of your forefathers, Abraham, a long time ago. But Moses, you're not going to get there. See, you have to cross the Jordan to get to the promised land, but Moses, you're not going to cross the Jordan River. You're going to die before you ever see that promised land that you've been leading these people towards. Now, I would imagine that would be a little bit depressing for Moses. But Moses didn't make it all about himself. He was caring about the kingdom. And so he wanted Israel to press on, even if he couldn't go with them. And so he encouraged them. In verse 3, he continues on. This is what Moses says to all of Israel. God, your God will cross the river ahead of you. God will cross the river ahead of you and destroy the nations in your path so that you may dispossess them. And Joshua will cross the river before you, as God said he would. And God will give the nations the same treatment that he gave the kings of the Amorites, Sihon and Og, and their land. He'll destroy them, and God will hand the nations over to you, Israel, and you'll treat them exactly as I have commanded you. So, be strong. Take courage. Don't be intimidated. And don't give them a second thought because God, your God, is striding ahead of you. He's right there with you. He won't let you down. He won't leave you. God is striding ahead of you. Now, when I read this, I'm like, man, they could, like, go, I don't know, walk around some crazy city and let all the walls fall down after this. They're just ready to go. They're fired up. This breathes courage into them, I think. And I think the key here is that, is that God goes before them. Because really what was happening is there was no way. They were in the wilderness. Like they were vagabonds, right? They were, they were homeless for 40 years. And now God's saying, you're going to cross this river and you're going to take all this land. And all those nations are going to fall to you, even though you're like this makeshift group, militia. But they're all going to fall. And what God was telling them is, listen, where there is no way, I'm going to make a way. And Israel knew he was going to do this because he'd done it before. They were in slavery, and he got them out. And then they were in the wilderness, and he led the way. With a pillar by day and by fire by night, he led the way so that they could get to the promised land that he promised them hundreds of years before. See, where there is no way, God made a way. He did it for Israel in this story, and then 1,400 years later, he did it for all of us through Jesus. Because where there was no way, Jesus made a way. And in the same way that Moses tells Israel, God is striding ahead of you, Jesus strode ahead of us. So we can take courage in our faith because Jesus has already been there. He's already taken the first steps. Your first step, your small first step of obedience, your brave step of obedience is really just following the steps that Jesus has already done. And the most remarkable thing about this to me I love the movie Braveheart. Any you ever seen Braveheart? Like all the men said, yes. Yeah, I get it. Okay. Well, hopefully, because y'all might not even been born when brave. I'm freaking old. All right. Well, in Braveheart, they have these battle scenes. And in the scenes, they show the king, that William Wallace, that he's fighting against. The king is in the backside of the battle. He's on a horse watching over the field as they're all fighting. And this is a picture typically of what a king would do. They'd be on the backside watching everything happen, or they'd even sit on their throne while everyone else is at war. And yet Jesus, our king, did not sit on a throne. He got up out of his throne. He stepped into our story. He took a first step of obedience to what God wanted him to do, and he fought our battle for us. He is the lion and lamb. Y'all just sang about it. And so we see that Jesus made a way where there was no way, so now we can follow him. To me, that's all the encouragement I need. If I, if I read God's word, if I trust in what he said, and if I follow in what he's telling me to do, I have nothing to fear. Or as Austin said last week, when you follow God, when you have courage, you can do it because you can't lose. <laughs> you, can't, you can't lose. That's all the courage that I need is the word spoken from God. And yet at the same time, I know for me, uh, I need reminders I don't know about y'all, like the whole love language thing, this is marital advice, you're welcome. But uh, love languages exist, there's five of them, and unless you actually go and try to figure it out, you're never going to be like, hey babe, I was thinking today, you know, I bet there's like, I don't know, like five love languages, and you might have two, and I might have two, like that never happens. But you go and learn about it, and you realize it's totally true. And my love language is words of affirmation. So when my wife tells me how hot she thinks I am, I'm like, that's right, I can do this, right? or how much he loves me, or that I got what it takes. It's like life into my bones. I love that element of words of affirmation. I need that. It's, it's how I'm wired. And so when I, when I read God's story through Moses of Deuteronomy 31, I also know that that first step of obedience might be a little bit like, okay, I did it, I did it, I did it. But I might need a little affirmation to keep going. See, I, I, I saw this play out in my life Especially through sports, it's just a confidence thing. I think uh, I grew up playing a lot of sports, and then in, in high school, I uh, got to play basketball for the school that I went to down the road. And when I was growing up, I was always one of like the better ones. I was always taller and just knew what I was doing, and I had confidence, especially through middle school. But the moment I got to my JV year in high school, the confidence was shot, and I don't know what it was, I don't know why, but my coach pulled me aside one day and he was like, "Matt." You gotta shoot the ball. Like, this is basketball. You have to shoot. It's what we practice all the time. You just pass it every time you get it. Like, what's going on? And I'm like, well, you know, like, I'm just getting to the best shot possible, and they're great shooters. And he's like, shut up. Just stop. Why aren't you shooting the ball? Matt, listen. You're a great shooter. We are better when you shoot. I want you to shoot. And guess what? If you don't shoot, I'm going to sit you on the bench. (laughs) You like to play? Good. Then go out there and play. I believe in you. And it was all that I needed. And I averaged 34 points. No, I didn't. I'm just playing. (laughs) No, I didn't all of a sudden become Steph Curry. But at the same time, I had a new sense of fresh wind of confidence in my life because this affirmation was spoken to me. Coach Russell pulled me aside, put his arm around me and breathed life into me. And see God's about to do the exact same thing to the leader of the Israelites walking across that Jordan River. Let me show you what it looks like. Can I I need I need some um Hassan, come here. Hey ladies, listen. You did you did at one time say get up here. Yeah, right over here. You said I was dad one time. I gotta, I'm going to embarrass you. I got my hair pulled up. You don't. So um, this is Hassan, everybody. Uh, become good friends with him. He'll make fat heads of you whenever you graduate. Well done. Um, now, this is, I, I, want you to, I, I want you to imagine what's happening, okay? So we're about to read verses 7 and 8 of Deuteronomy 31. And Moses, I'll play Moses, and he'll play, he'll play, he'll play Joshua, okay? And you're the Israelites, so we're all involved in this, okay? We're not spectators. You're tired, you're sweaty, you got sand between your toes and in your pits, your pits and your bits and all that stuff, right? Like that? And, and we're about to go do something crazy. There's no possible way that we're going to do this. And yet Moses just said to you, be strong, take courage. You're going to step across there and guess what? I'm striding ahead of you. I'm going to do that. And yet there's one person that's going to be leading you the entire way. And it's no longer going to be the thing that you knew. All you've known is Moses Well, Moses is about to die. And when Moses dies, there's going to be a new leader taking you into uncharted territory, into the unknown desires that God may have for you, Israel. And so it's so like God to put this into Moses where Moses says, Joshua, come here. Can you go by Josh? Um, How about Yeshua? That's actually what it would. Okay, Josh. All right, that works. And so Moses pulls Joshua aside with all of Israel watching. This is verse 7. Look at the screen. It says, then Moses summoned Joshua and he said to him, with all of Israel watching, be strong, take courage. You will enter the land with this people, the land that God promised their ancestors that he would give them. And you will make them proud possessors of it. God is striding ahead of you. He's right there with you, Joshua. He won't let you down. Joshua, he's not going to leave you. So don't be intimidated, Joshua. Joshua, Josh, don't worry. And there's this moment where God God has Moses pull Joshua aside and breathe life into him, affirmation directly into him. Y'all give it up for our Joshua, Hassan. Thank you. You did such a wonderful job. Isn't he a natural? That's so good. Now, for me, when I read this, I'm like, God is a coach. <laughs> it was just like my coach. He probably knew that the Israelites would need some need a little bit of extra confidence to have the courage to take that one small step of obedience. But I think even more so, he knew that Joshua would need it to go and lead others into it, to be the forerunner for the nation of Israel. And so while I got to pull a son up here and kind of play out that role of of Moses and Joshua, the truth is I wish I could do it for every one of you. Because while God may have been speaking through Moses to Joshua in verses 7 and 8, If you continue on and look at anything else in the Bible, he's speaking the exact same words to you right now. God is for you. He is with you. His desires are greater than your desires. So be strong and take courage. Courage is one small step, that first brave step of obedience into the unknown desires that God has for you. You may not know what the future holds. You may not know what that next step is. You may not know what the Jordan River is that you've got to cross, but there's something that you've got to cross and you've got to get over to experience the greater chapter that God has for you. See, if Joshua never led Israel across there, then everything else would have been ruined. The greater chapter began when Joshua crossed over after he had life breathed into him and then met the commander of the Lord's army in front of Jericho and then commanded all of Israel to walk around Jericho and then the walls miraculously fell and they got the first city. Because God was striding ahead of them. So it's never a it's never this thought of, I'm all alone, I don't know what to do. Well, God's gonna tell you. there was at a time in my life where I was trying to figure out my next, and I was really confused. I was really impatient. I'm sure y'all are super patient people. It's just it's probably just me struggles with impatience. I was getting really impatient. And out of my immaturity, it was starting to show. And I was asking my leaders, I was like, so what's next? Like what What is happening? They said, Matt, listen, the truth is God already knows what your next is. It's just you waiting on him to reveal it to you. He's already there. And it's the exact same thing that Moses is saying to all of Israel. God is striding ahead of you. So you're never on your own. You're not blazing your own path. You're following in the footsteps of the path that God's already making. See, as I read that, it reminds me of a son of a of a kind of a story or a memory, I guess is a good way to say it, of me and my son. Uh, I like to go to the beach. Any of y'all like to? Can we? Any of y'all? Okay, how about this? Let me hate you for a minute. Are y'all, any of y'all about to go to the beach soon? Okay, you suck and you and you hate you. Mean it. No, I don't. I love you all. I promise. With all my heart. That's why I'm here. However, I love going to the beach. It's my favorite thing in the world. If you would say, what's the one thing you enjoy doing the most? I would say taking a book, my iPod, my headphones, and sitting in a chair on the beach watching the ocean with no one talking to me. Like, I'm a super extrovert, but in those moments, just let me chill out, right? And hopefully not burn, because that's what I do. I don't, I don't glisten. I don't get gold. I burn. It's pink. It's horrible. It's horrible. But I love being on the beach, so I love going to the beach. The beach of choice for me and my family is 30A. We like going down to Seaside. My sister-in-law lives there, so it's super convenient. And we go visit her a few times a year because we want to see her or the beach. Um, It's fine. It's my sister-in-law. I'm allowed to say that. Uh, Love you, Libby. But whenever we go there, it's kind of changed for me. Uh, The beach isn't as enjoyable for me as it once was. Um, I have these little minions that follow me called children. Yeah? One of them is about, like, like Kevin the Minion size. One's about Stuart size, and one's Bob size, right? And they're watching the Minions right now, which is why I know their names and remember them. But I got an almost four-year-old son, a two-year-old daughter, and a two-month-old daughter as well. Now, the two-month-old daughter's never been. She did not know what she's doing. But the two-year-old and the four-year-old, they love the beach too. They love the beach so much that they want to make sure that I know that they love the beach and not let me sit in a chair and read a book with headphones in. That's not what I get to do anymore. See, vacation when you have kids is no longer like restful vacation. It's just normal life at the beach, basically. And so last summer we got to go down to Seaside and, and had this awesome time. We kind of went later in the day as the sun was setting, and my son was playing and had a shovel, was digging up. We were finding shells. It was just an awesome moment. And then for about the last 30 minutes, he was mesmerized by how exponentially larger my feet, my skis for feet are than his it's like, Dad, they're huge. It's like, well, Dad's a Dad's a big dude. Okay, I'm tall. All right, let's just go get there one day, son. Right? And all he would do was see my footprints, and he would go try to step in them, and jump to the next one, and then he'd kind of stumble and fall, and then go to the next one. And I got a picture of it. This is like the coolest picture ever. This is Bowen. Yeah, you can you can totally like just melt with me on my son. Right? Okay. So Bowen's Bowen stepping in my, in my footsteps, stepping in my footprints. I would mark one, and then he would try to jump, and I'd put two together, and he'd try to get there. And then I'd jump really far so that he couldn't get it because I was mean. No, I didn't do that. But we just had this moment, me and him on the beach, where I'd walk, and he'd walk right behind me and follow my footsteps. And it, the story of that reminded me of, of something I read recently. It just messing me. I'm going to read it to you. It says this. one night a man had a dream. He dreamed that he was walking along the beach with the Lord. And across the sky flashed scenes from his life. For each scene, he noticed two sets of footprints in the sand. One belonged to him, and the other belonged to the Lord. When the last scene of his life flashed before him, he looked back at the footprints in the sand. He noticed that many times along the path of his life, there was only one set of footprints. He also noticed that it happened at the very lowest and saddest times in his life. This really bothered the man, and he questioned the Lord about it. He said, Lord, you said that once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I've noticed that during the most troublesome times in my life, there's only one set of footprints. I don't understand why when I needed you the most, you would leave me. And the Lord replied, my precious, precious son, I love you, and I would never leave you. During your times of trial and suffering, when you see only one set of footprints, it's because I was carrying you. If you come in here and you listen to everything I'm saying and you question whether or not God will be there when you take that first step, let me just tell you about the character of our God. He's such a good father, He's so loving. If I can share that moment with my son and it'd be so special, God is sharing that even more with us and desiring for us to just take one small step of obedience and just see where his footstep is and follow right in his footprints. Because he promises us, he shows us, he tells us continuously that God is striding ahead of you. So be strong and take courage. What's the one step of obedience that you need to take tonight? What's the one small, first, brave step of obedience into the unknown desires that God has for you that you need to take? See, when I was 17, it was the very first time I ever did this. My small step of obedience was getting out of an unhealthy relationship. I was finding my identity in this girl, and it was super unhealthy, and it wasn't good. And it was disobedient to what God desired for me. I was blazing my own track instead of following his footprints. So maybe for some of you tonight, it's realizing that you're in an unhealthy relationship. You need to get out of it. And if that's true for you, let me just give you a little nugget of wisdom. The easiest it's ever going to be to actually follow through on that step of obedience is to do it now. Not to say, well, three weeks from now, let me get all my accounts in a row and then I'll go take it. No, you're not. You won't do it. Or maybe for some of you, it's a sin in your life that you just perpetually keep running back to. The easiest it's ever going to be for you to stop it is right now in this moment tonight when you feel it that you need to. My words aren't speaking into your heart. It's the Holy Spirit telling you, just come follow me. You can trust me. Don't you see my footprints? I'm striding ahead of you. One small step. What's the thing that's keeping you from being brave and being courageous? What's the thing in your life that you need to overcome? What's the Jordan River in your life? What's the water on the other side of the boat? What's the thing where God's saying, come to me, that you just got to, all right. No matter what it takes. I'm going to go do that because, God, I know that your desires for me because you love me, because you're a father that loves me, because you're going to carry me when it's the most difficult time of my life. I'm going to trust that. And so whatever it is, no matter how difficult it is, I'm going to choose following you over my own thing. I'm going to choose stepping into your unknown desires for me than trying to figure out my own desires. See, courage is a brave step of obedience into the unknown desires that God has for you. What's that brave step for you? Let me pray for y'all. And As I pray, the band's going to come back up, and I want to give you an opportunity to respond, to, uh, to reflect, to think through, to confess whatever it is that you need to do to find healing, to find bravery, to find courage. Um, That's what I'm going to encourage you to do over the next few moments. That's what I'm going to encourage you to do, is to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Maybe your first small step of obedience is in this moment. Maybe the first step you get to practice that is right now. And so as I pray for us, I'm going to pray that God would elevate our courage, our bravery to follow him. But if in these next few moments you need to, like even Josiah said at the beginning, you need to make any of the sides of the front an altar, make your chair an altar, Go find a friend, confess of the sin that's in your life and just be open and vulnerable because there's no judgment in this place. There's mercy, it triumphs over judgment. But it's time to stop living inside of the fear and of the unknown and bravely step in to that unknown desire that God has for you. It's called courage. We pray that we would find it. So Jesus, we love you. And if anyone in this room doesn't love you, Father, I ask that my love would cover them for you. So that you would hear, you would speak, you would know every little element and facet of our hearts, every nook and cranny, every hidden every hidden part, Father, every hidden corner, every dark place, Lord, that you would speak directly into all of those. Shine your light in there. Let us see your true character. Let us know that all we got to do is follow your footsteps. You're striding ahead of us. You're making a way where there is no way. You're already there in the future. We just got to trust you and wait for you sometimes. So, Father, in this courage, may we not get impatient. May we not try to do it our own way. May we lean into what you want for us. So, Father, however you want us to respond, let us respond. I pray that courage would be overflowing in this room over the next few moments, and that whatever whatever it is that you're speaking into our life, whatever you're pinging our heart about, whatever you're overwhelmingly making clear with discernment of what we are supposed to do, Father, may we, regardless of everything else, go do it, because you are what matters. So may every person in this place be strong, and may they take courage, because you will never leave us. And for that, Father, we will worship you with everything we have, however it is that you prompt. It's in Jesus' name we pray.